23 minutes it is after 7 p.m. We kick things off out in the markets. Of course, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange having closed uh, two hours and 23, 24 now, uh, two hours and 24 minutes ago uh, at the start of this new week. And of course, the big set of news. Uh, affecting uh, agricultural futures markets, in particular for grains, as uh, we're seeing, uh, yeah, significant limitations to grain exports coming out of Ukraine. We know Ukraine and Russia, in many of the grains we talk about, when our, you know, sunflower seeds, as in the fish oil, right through to rye to wheat that goes into our bread and all manner of other things, uh, they produce about a third of the world supply of this. So uh, if there are any restrictions to getting that to any markets, it has massive implications on those agricultural markets and even famine relief efforts. Uh, joining me on the line to take a look at uh, this story and many others in the markets, joined by Snesipo Manindra, independent market commentator, analyst and CA. Snesipo, good evening. Welcome. Good evening, Aya. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Can't complain. I certainly hope you had a good weekend. No, I did. I did. I did. Let's start out in Russia, because I guess uh, that uh, was certainly a big story that uh, weighed heavily on the markets. And uh, many people might suggest um, translated into weaker outcomes for the South African rand and uh, also many other emerging market currencies. Um, yes. So, um, so let's just start with where we are with Russia and um, Russia, Ukraine and um, the, the decision by Vlad not to allow all grain Wheat and grain products safe passage uh, through Ukraine in, bet- in amongst all the all the fighting. Now, I think we've spoken about this. The fact that wheat is a commodity <laughs> is another thing on its own. And what the ramifications of the decision that they made on Saturday on Monday markets um, saw a massive increase because of, as you said, um, uh, Ukraine is. Um, for a theory of the world production. And, um, so there's the technical correction of that. So it's a third of um, wheat traded globally, the third, not a third of the whole production. Um, I remember someone correcting me on Twitter, so I just thought let me just also add that little part. But regardless, this action is posed to have serious ramifications. Now, we in Southeast, Southern Hemisphere, um, it's not going to be an issue for us specifically currently, um, that decision. Northern Hemisphere are about to head into winter. Now, this decision, um, if you look at it, it, it it's another decision where um, Vladimir Putin is um, sort of playing with the EU and trying to get his way because um, he shut off the taps from gas power and now he's going off the scene. And if you look at where our inflation um so um, um, inflation, there were inflation results um, that came in today, um, ECB, um, I mean, EU inflation, which came in at just over 10%. Um, this is just going to add um, fuel to the fire, um, fuel to the fire. And it is, you playing chess games. Um, so um, the EU zone inflation was 10.7%, and that is record high. He's playing games. And at this point, I think most countries or sovereigns are looking to negotiate with him, regardless of what's happening in Ukraine, regardless. Because at this point, it's you're going food, petrol, you um, you have all the EU governments looking to do price caps, 
to sort of stave off their citizens. You've got the central banks lifting interest rates as well. So they're trying to, from a governmental, monetary, and fiscal policy perspective, everyone's trying to just contain the damage. Mm -hmm. And he is just like, it's about to get worse. It's about about to get worse. Just a quick one. The implication, I'm a consumer. Uh, It seems grain futures or forward markets might seem very far removed from me. Will I feel the impact of uh, this limitation or friction on grain exports from, you know, uh, uh, Ukraine and Russia? Or, you know, is it something that I guess, you know, can be cushioned by larger domestic production? Um, What will it mean for what I pay? Okay, so let's just go look at the demand is... Mm. Very, 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 um, if we didn't live in a capitalistic world where um, local suppliers um, had a preference for supplying locally instead of going to the highest bidder, that I, I would agree with you. So, so you might eat in your London, it is our new fish oil, it is our new price here with peaks, our new price here, mm, yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, basically. Mm. And like I said, like I said, like you've had, um, put it this way. In East Africa, you've had situations of a famine, um, famine, um, as well as apparently Somalis tithering on the they've got a very big famine, and this is disruption in exports. And again, it always hits the poorest of the poorest first. So every yeah. time these countries do something to us, we will always be impacted. So obviously, when you have a real, and remember, this is a stable product. And it's a stable product that is in from a proportion of diet is what most of the world's poor eat, mm. let's be honest. So meat prices affect the world's poor as well, but not to the, it's such a basic, simple product. Sure, sure. So ultimately, you're going to be in a situation mm. where um, you're going to have supply disruption. Like I said, sure, sure. it's sort of a double whammy in a, in a, in a, in a, in a year's perspective. You have a major player who's now been taken off the table. You have yields which are not at historic highs, and that's as a result of climate change and adverse weather conditions. Mm. So you sort of have what you would call the perfect storm. Then you add the price of fuel on top of that, which drives the logistics price of your commodity. It, it like It is genuinely the perfect storm. Now, Yes, it's going to hit poor countries as most like I but I said um, the northern hemisphere they're heading on to winter, and you have you've had um, an insane amount of change politically, mm. and I I, I don't. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, and I mean I guess this is a this is a developing story, and uh, you know we continue to watch quite closely what happens there. No one can really sort of pick. Uh, what might happen next but uh, certainly one of those stories that has a bearing on you whether or not you're aware of what's happening or not so uh, just you know one of those things but let's shift our attention now to um, uh, some of the data that came through from uh, the uh, South African Reserve Bank Uh, quite a bit there coming through in uh, their quarterly publications there some trade data but uh, also one interesting area private sector credit extension as compared to household credit extension and it seems um, borrowing up for you know fleet purposes, purchases of vehicles for fleets and so on, uh, but still private sector capital spending 
uh, still significantly muted somewhat? Um, yes. So, um, the bank, uh, what was for me, which I thought was the most, they, of course, you had the increase in your overdrafts and your overdrafts in your credit card, which for me is not really telling. That for me is a ticking time bomb. What was positive to see was the increase in asset backed um, um, credit transactions. Um, and that has to do with mostly in um, uh, increasing new vehicles, which of course is important to support our economy, and um, growth in general loans, which can be used to sort of advance um, production. That for me is a good thing. That is for me is a very, very good thing because it's, it's, um, it's a sign of two things. Number one, it's a sign of confidence in the future because you don't find long-term debt unless you have confidence in the future. Number two, it also is a sign of investment in the country because you are procuring assets, and um, that that that's two very, very, very good things. Um, so um, that for me was a very, very nice thing. Worry though is the credit card and working capital uh, because for me that's short-term debt trap, and with the way our economy is going, GDP, that's not necessarily always a good sign. It's nice from a consumption perspective, but with the cost of credit going up, it is just a ticking time bomb. Hmm. So I guess the other question that I have, which um, you know, is something that always comes up here, when we compare that to household credit extension, I mean, we're approaching a bumper retail moment. I guess many would expect uh, extension to households of credit to spike somewhat as people, you know, buy stuff on, you know, uh, uh, Black Friday and we have a bumper festive season coming up as well. Uh, But also, I guess, um, think of uh, the path of interest rates um, and where that might potentially land up and uh, what impact that might have on the appetite of many households for credit. Um, The problem with short-term facilities is that people spend recklessly. You've had data from F&B, and all the major banks talk about how people's salaries are finished five days after payday. That is the reality um, that we're living under. So when you think of the fact that we're going into a festive season, I call it silly season, and you haven't had a real increase in wages. So the initial you see has to be funded by debt. And you've had um, real-world increases in the form of inflation and the form of cost of credit, just from a fixed cost of credit. For me, that just represented another ticking time bomb. It represents a ticking time bomb because on one hand, we're happy because consumption, but you have to say if credit growth is growing at 9-7% and real wages of wage inflation, which is i.e. people's increases in income, is growing at about half of that with also a double-digit increase in your inflation, uh, which has a direct bearing on your price of food, your, your basic goods. You have to ask, how will the um, credit growth um, be funded? And is it not representing a ticking time bomb? And that is my issue with it, my issue with it, because that's how I look at it. I look at it. The cost of credit is good as long as the pace of which your income is growing mm. in proportion to it. Sure, sure. So That's if you I... don't have that, if you don't have that, you have to ask yourself, so where is this gap being funded? How is it being funded? Mm. Where is the money coming from? 
And if it goes to further extension, you are creating a, a you're creating a, a problem now in your your you're creating a credit bubble. Mm, mm. Um, credit bubble. And bear in mind, this is a, just to further more. This is the same stats from a credit growth that we saw. I think we discussed it a few months ago on the USA um, credit growth as well. Whereas, and again, it's, it's credit growth. So credit growth is funding consumer growth and spending consumer good on purchases of household basics, mm. not on um, wealth creation. As I said, what was nice about the was the was the fact when sure. it goes to the other side, you you're creating a problem there. Yes, let's put just the last one. Uh, take a look. Uh, let's take a quick look at uh, some of the. Uh, interim um, numbers, unaudited interim numbers that came through from Balwyn. Now, uh, I think many would know these are the guys who build all those sectional title properties. Uh, and uh, revenue up 20% to 1.6 billion, profit uh, up just shy of 50%, 173 million. And uh, yeah, an increase in, um, uh, um, you know, apartments recognized as revenue, uh, also uh, margin improvement. Uh, but uh, it seems, I guess, uh, the other thing that blew the lights out is uh, an 80% increase on that fiber business, uh, which, uh, of course, for now is the anchor of uh, what they're calling the annuity businesses. What do you make of uh, this set of numbers? Uh, I want to thank your, um, your young couples and young couples with young families, and they offer the annuities that one would need. And that's what they've been very good at. Um, they're very, very good. It was a good set of results. Um, but also what I think is very, very important um, to note is um, when, especially when you're looking at from a year-on-year comparison is you had a situation where uh, 2020, 2021 were very much a low base in terms of activity and that was more as a result of the restricted um, movement of people, restrictions on the trading of properties and the selling of properties where they could not sell, could not market, could not open days. So bear that in mind when we're doing the comparison. Mm. We're going to have to leave it here for tonight. Uh, Always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure.